Today's message was recorded for Wednesday, August 19th, 2020. I'd like to welcome you once again to Central Park Neighborhood Church, where this is our midweek teaching time, and we are looking at the subject of Joseph and uh, trying to learn some different things from him as he travels from house to house and place to place. We have likened them to seasons in life, and uh, in looking at the seasons of life, we understand that every season has a purpose, every season is beautiful in its time, and there are things that God wants us to learn, and he wants us to grow in each season of life that we're in. And as we continue on with the uh, story here of Joseph and the different places that uh, he has found himself in, we come to in the story, uh, seemingly a break because it goes from talking about Joseph and dealing with his brothers and what they had done to him and how he was sold as a slave. And then in the next chapter in Genesis 38, we find the story turns and it really is starting to deal with uh, Judah. And it gives us a whole chapter about the life of Judah. And it seems like it's a something that's an interruption in the life of Joseph, but in reality it's not, uh, because what we're finding out here, and we're looking and have looked at, are the process of making decisions, and we're going to look at, uh, the I call it the house of Judah, and uh, the house of Judah, it, it really is the uh, gives us the consequences of our decisions. And so we have looked at, positive guidelines for decisions. Now let's look at consequences for our decisions. And so this chapter uh, deals with Judah and the decisions that he's made. And we'll see why he's made the decisions he's made and what have been the consequences of them. And so we find, uh, first of all, it was uh, we're going to begin with a little bit of review and go back and look at his decisions concerning his involvement with the life of Joseph. In Genesis 37, 26 to 36, in verse 26, And Judah said to his brother, Now, what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. This now is the decision that's made of what they're going to do with Joseph. He's in the in the pit. He's in the dry well at this point. And uh, so consequently, they're, they're, you know, Reuben tried to come forth and deliver them and bring him back to his father. That didn't work because uh, Judah comes up with another idea, another decision that brought the decision that all of his brothers were content with. And let's just take a look at this. Let's look at the consequences of every decision. Now, first of all, he says, what profit is it? What profit is it? You know, all of a sudden we, we find that money becomes involved in this situation. Um, so there's some questions that we need to ask here because the Bible doesn't, doesn't tell us, but who kept the, I'm going to call it the slavery money. Who kept this money? And then did they divide it among themselves? Did they split it up and all be a partaker of it? Did Judah wind up with all of it? We don't know. It's just we know that uh, the root of all evil many times is connected with money or the love of it, see? 
And so we have a, something here that we see as a, as a part of this decision-making process that Judah is uh, concocting up here and what we're going to do with our brother. And then he says, um, what profit is if we slay our brother or kill him and conceal his blood? So there would be a concealing of his blood. There would be a deception going on for others. We're going to tell them something. And uh, so deception is part of this decision that's being made at this point. So he says, come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. In other words, we're going to sell him into slavery. We're going to sell him into the place of bondage. We're going to see what becomes of his dreams. Uh, we're going to put him in a place of bondage so that nothing can, amen, come good out of this young man's life. And then he says, let not our hand be upon him. Now, the first one, there was a deception concerning others. Now, he says, let not our hand be upon him. I wonder uh, if uh, them taking him out of that pit, out of that well, and selling him to the Ishmaelites, if their hand was not upon him. I would like to say it was. And so what he's really saying here is there is an area here of self-deception in this whole decision-making process concerning Joseph. One is deception of others. The other deception is the deception of yourself. He says he's our brother. He's our flesh. And his brethren went along with it. They were content with that particular thing. Uh, just going to share a thought here with you, and that is this. You know, we don't see a lot in the scripture concerning Joseph and the Spirit of God or anointed into a particular place or, or that kind of thing. I'm going to give you this thought. Uh, and David really uh, elaborates on this and helps us to understand this. This is when Saul was basically looking for David. He wanted to kill him and take him out. And David had the opportunity a couple of different times to actually take David out. Uh, but he makes this statement in 1 Samuel 24, 5 and 6. It came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. He said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed. There it is. The Lord's anointed. So stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. In verse 10, Behold this day, my eyes have seen what the Lord hath delivered thee, Today into my hand in the cave, this is David speaking to Saul, and some bade me kill him. You know, if he'd have listened to their voices, he would have killed him. But mine eyes spared thee, and I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Psalm 1 Samuel 26, 9, David said to Abishai, destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed? And then it says this, and be guiltless. So we don't find it, you know, in, in Joseph's life, him being anointed, other than when you look in Genesis chapter 41, verse 38, when uh, Joshua is, not Joshua, sorry, Joseph is standing before Pharaoh. He's brought out of the prison house, and uh, he is interpreting the dreams, and he is given by God wisdom on what the dreams were, interpreted them, and then not only that, but the answer of what to do, what these dreams mean, and how are we supposed to respond to them. And Pharaoh says to him, and to his servants, that's what this verse 38 of Genesis 41 says, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? 
So we really, this one scripture out of his life declared by Pharaoh, the Egyptian Pharaoh, and we we find that he's the one that declares, can we find such a one as the Spirit of God? So really, we find that Joseph was anointed of God. Joseph had the Spirit of God. Joseph, uh, that Spirit of God, as you look at his life, and there's a key word, and that key word is constantly the word wisdom comes forth from his life and the interpretation of dreams. And these are activities and the results of the Spirit of God being in one's life. So he was anointed of God. And so really what we find here is Judah had touched the Lord's anointed. He had touched the Lord's anointed. And that was part of that decision-making process that he had concocted and come up with. And so... It goes on here in the second part of the decision. We're going to give a several uh, decisions now that are involved with Judah, and we'll see what this leads to and what the consequences of it are. And so the second uh, decision that we find here is that they devise a deceptive plan using Joseph's coat. They would basically uh, kind of cut it up, and they would put blood on it, and... Uh, uh, then they would present it to their father. And so this was really the other another part of the decision-making process was they were going to use this in a deceptive way. And they took Joseph's coat, it says here in Genesis 37, 31, killed a kid of the goats, dipped the coat in the blood, and they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, this have we found, now know whether it be thy son's coat. So... Part of their decision-making process was a decision that involved deception. Deception. And we won't take uh, too much more time as far as that is concerned, as far as the deceptive part of it. But let's let's carry on and let's look at some more uh, building upon these decisions that are involved with Judah. And then we find in Genesis chapter 37, verses 33... Uh, they conceal the truth and they maintain the lie. This is the third decision that was made. And he knew it and said, this is Jacob talking, it is my son's coat, an evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without rent in pieces. You know, at this point they could have they could have turned and they could have told him the truth, but they didn't. They, they went along and they maintained the lie. They maintained the deception. And so many times when you start down a path with your decisions, there are points when you can actually turn and you can face things and you can deal with things or, uh, <laughs> or you, many times you gotta, you've gotta uphold this thing that you've started and so down the road of deception you go. So they concealed the truth and they maintained the lie and they did not tell, um, their father the truth. You know, when we start uh, lying, when we start in the down the road of deception, there's someone we are identifying with, and we find that in John 8, 44. You are of your father the devil, the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He didn't abide in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. You know, that's Speaking falsehood, he's uttering an untruth is really what he's doing, lying. And deception is part and identifying 
with the nature of the enemy. And so when you are looking at your decisions, ask yourself this question, who am I identifying with? Am I identifying with truth? Am I identifying with the nature of the devil? Let your decisions, amen, be based upon the truth. Let your decisions be based upon the truth. Now here's here's a response to that decision that Judah came up with. And that decision was Jacob's response. In that response, he had a response of grief. A grief and a mourning. Really, that was suffering. Grief is really talking about suffering, a mental suffering, okay? And many times when you're suffering mentally, you're going to find that that is, will also affect you physically. And so the decision that Judah had made brought about grief to his father, and uh, that grief turned into suffering. Too many times we don't take into consideration others when we make decisions. Now, in making decisions, it's not always to please others. It's not always to, to make my decisions on what others think, how others feel, how others uh, respond to this decision. No, you have to make your decision according to the principles and the guidelines that I gave you in a, in a couple of lessons ago. So we're not to do that particularly because ultimately we must please God. And many times in pleasing God, sometimes it doesn't please others. But when it's based on the truth and it is right in the eyes of God, listen, it will. the end result of that will be favor with God and it will bring fruitfulness and blessing to your life. But Jacob's response was one of grief. Your decisions can have an emotional impact on others, an emotional impact on others. And Jacob rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his loins, and mourned for his son many days. Many days. It doesn't say it was just a moment thing, but it was many days that it had a direct effect on him. And so, really, in our decisions, give that some thought today. Give that some thought today. Now, what happened here? You know, we got we got dad mourning. And let's look at what the scripture says. His sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him. He says, well, we made dad very sad. He's he's crying the blues. He's missing his son, his loved son. And uh, it also says in the verse 35, he refused to be comforted. They rose up to comfort him. He refused to be comforted. And he said, I will go down into my grave for my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And this word comfort is kind of an interesting word because it has a, a dual-sided definition. The word comfort, it can be in a favorable sense to pity or console. Uh, so you can see that comforting is a side that can be a positive. It can be a side that aids the person and helps the person along. The other side of this word comfort interestingly means unfavorably to avenge oneself. Now, I want us to take a look at this. They rose up to comfort him, but bottom line is they got rid of their brother. They were glad that he was gone. They hated him. They didn't speak peaceably to him, and they knew that their father loved him more than the rest of them. And so consequently, you're going to find that... um, Maybe down at the bottom of some of their hearts, it could have been they were going to use this to avenge themselves, and they took it out upon their dad, and this was a result of the decision that they made. 
we don't know that, but we do know that's what the meaning of the word is, and we know that the possibilities that many times decisions can be made because we want to have revenge or we want to take vengeance out on someone else. So, is your decision-making process and what you're doing when it comes to involved others, it, look at it. Are you avenging something? Are you upset with something? Are you uh, doing this because uh, you're going to cause grief for someone else? Uh, some people get get kicks out of, well, you know, I finally got back to them. Uh, I've hurt them and they don't even know it. Well, that's part of the decision-making process and the results of what Judah had, was a part of. And so today, as we look at this thing, you know, are your decisions, are they made to punish others? Consider that today. Let's go on in the story here. In Genesis chapter 38, we find that the house of Judah was built upon a direct result of the decisions that he made concerning his brother Joseph. You know, his decision process now uh, of what he does in carrying out and his life, you're going to find that the results in his life, throughout his life, this decision of what to do with Joseph, it's going to filter through in other decisions and things that he continues to make in his life. And so we find in uh, uh, Genesis um, chapter 38, we begin the house of Joseph. And in this house of Joseph, we find that Joseph um, is making more decisions and let's begin. Genesis chapter 38, verse 1. It came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adolamite whose name was Hira. So we find here, let's read the Amplified and then we'll look at a couple of things. At that time, Judah withdrew from his brothers and went to lodge with a certain Adolamite named Hira. Judah now is making his fifth decision. His fifth decision has to do with his brethren. He is leaving his brethren, and he's leaving them and finding and searching out a relationship uh, with an Adolamite, okay? And his name was Hira. So in his decision-making process, he leaves his brethren. He leaves his household. He leaves uh, those who he's familiar with, and he goes to uh, a Dolomite. A Dolomite, interestingly, means a place of refuge. A place of refuge. He sought out Hira, and the reason he sought out Hira, because when we get down to the word Hira, uh, you'll find he sought out a place of refuge because of shame. Because Hira is really talking about to make white. It's to make take the color out, to blanch with shame. Because of the shame that he has done with him and the decisions that he's made. He's brought shame upon himself. And when he has done that, he goes and he wants to find a place of refuge. And he wants to go find a place uh, separate from his brother. And he doesn't want to be reminded. And it, when we look at the scripture, it says he went down from his brethren. And when we read the scripture with the word down in it, many times the word down uh, gives us the idea uh, that this direction is actually running from God. It is not facing the situations that you need to face. It reminds me of Jonah. You know, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, God says, Arise and uh, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. Uh, he says, Their wickedness has come up before me. And what did Jonah do? The Bible says in verse 3 of chapter 1, Jonah rose up to flee 
unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So there was a running. There was a running that took place here. And so when we look at the word down, he went down to the Adullamite and found a place of refuge. And the place of refuge was a place to hide from his shame. A couple of thoughts here concerning shame. You know, shame that is not dealt with will bring separation. Because shame will take and cause one to go into a place of hiding. Shame also stops all forward momentum. People get stuck right where they're at. There's no forward momentum. Shame will keep you in a subjected state. That subjected state keeps you bound and keeps you cornered and hemmed in and keeps you from reaching out and expanding. Also, a part of the shame is a fear is tied in and connected with shame. It's it's the fear that keeps and locks you in and the shame, the attitude and the consequence of your decision keep you locked in and keep you from going forward. That's why we find that Judah going to find a place of refuge because he was locked in. He was locked in with that decision that he's made. And I'm sure that in the, he, he wondered from day to day, you know, we sold our brother. What happened to him? Uh, what transpired with him? You know, he says, basically, he didn't know because there was no report. There was, you know, they sold him and he went into another country. Seemingly, uh, out of our sight, out of our mind. Listen, the decisions that we make, uh, they are not out of sight and out of our mind. Many times these decisions, they rest in our spirit. They rest in our mind. And that's why it is important on how you deal with your decisions and the consequences of the decisions that you make. As we go on in the, the story in the life of, of Judah, we find now that he he goes and he, he takes the place of refuge with Hira. And then the sec, another decision that he makes here, he chooses a Canaanite as a wife. He marries a Canaanite girl named Shua. In Genesis 38, 2, Judah saw there a daughter of the certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. He took her, went into her. So he, now he his next decision is the fact that he takes a wife from the land of Canaan in the Canaanites. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 12, 11 and 12, I want to read a scripture to you. Observe that which I command you this day. Behold, I drive out before you the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whither you go, lest it be a snare in the midst of you, a snare, a noose, a hook for the nose, a hook for the nose. In other words, when Judah made this decision, in his place of shame, in his place of bondage, he continues to make another decision and marries into the Canaanite people. And that would be another snare into his life. You can see the downward spiral of the decision-making that this young man is making. So he marries He marries her. We'll, we'll bring that into our vernacular in this day. It doesn't say marriage in the scripture. But anyway, he took her to wife and he begins to have children. And when we look at 
uh, Canaanite, it's an interesting word here. It means humiliated. It means to bend the knee, hence to humiliate or vanquish. So what was Judah doing? He was being vanquished. He was being snared. He was being humiliated further because of the decisions that he has made. He is subdued now by an enemy. You know, the enemies that come before us and try to conquer and try to take us down are enemies that God wants us to rise above, and he wants us to conquer them. And he wants us to uh, defeat those different things. And the way we defeat those different enemies many times is the decisions that we make and the attitudes that we have towards the enemy of our soul and the speaking and the the going forth and conquering them. But instead, uh, he is in shame. And not only in shame, now he marries uh, and humiliation. And you find uh, that subjection and things are wrapping themselves around him even in a greater dimension because of the decisions that he is making. This is really... Amen. Uh, The downward spiral at the beginning of this young man's life. We're going to quit here for the day for the sake of time, but I want you to give some thought to the decisions that you make and how they affect others. Not only how they affect others, but what is your response? What is the result of that decision that you've made? Amen. Face it. Don't run from it. Face it. Amen. And deal with it. Amen. The Lord bless you.